Welcome back to another season of the UK Virtual School Podcast with me, Sid, the founder of the first online school that dares to be different. If you've heard season one, you'll know that this podcast is for families who home educate and for those looking for an alternative to the current educational system. Now, if you did miss season one, I highly recommend that you go back and have a sneak peek because there are some real gems from that season. I discussed my journey through education in episode one. Episode six is super popular and useful if you're looking at GCSE exams. I even interviewed the teacher that lives in a van in episode number eight. In this season, season two, we've got some brand new interviews with teachers, students, and parents from UK Virtual School. UK Virtual School is now in its second year. Join us on a movement to disrupt education as we continue to create an innovative, inclusive and fulfilling alternative for the children who will become the change makers and leaders of tomorrow. Welcome back guys to another amazing season of the UK Virtual School podcast. Globetrotting teacher from the Welsh Valley to the Jungle Classroom. So in this episode, I've got with me Gemma, who's our daily English teacher uh, from UK Virtual School, and she's going to be sharing with us her journey across the globe when she travelled as a teacher. So Gemma joined UK Virtual School in September 2021, and she has been doing daily classes with us, and the kids absolutely adore her. Welcome, Gemma. Thank you very much. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. It's my first ever podcast, so I feel a bit famous. (laughs) (laughs) You will be famous, and all the kids are going to be really excited to hear you on the podcast. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about what made you decide to travel, because you've traveled to a few different places and you've taught so what made you decide that this is what you wanted to do yeah I knew from a really young age actually that I, I wanted to travel a lot it was always something that I um, would talk about as a, a really young child I think and in school I used to love learning about other countries in geography and um, I just knew that I would always travel a lot so then when I went into teaching I soon realized that those two kind of go really really well uh, hand in hand together, traveling and teaching. I like to travel slowly, so I'll go to a place and spend a lot of time there to really absorb the, the culture and get to know the people um, rather than just kind of uh, quickly zoom through places and, and not be able to experience the lifestyle, I guess, of the local people. Which country was your very first one that you went to as a teacher? The first country I taught in was Colombia. Um, back in 2016. I had spent some time in South America prior to that, um, Mm. traveling around, um, and then an opportunity came up. I was teaching in Wales at the time, but I was on the lookout for a bigger adventure, I guess. The Ministry of Education in Colombia were um, recruiting a lot of British teachers to go over and work in in the public high schools. Um, which was a, a crazy experience and the aim of that uh, program was to kind of improve the the standard of English teaching in, in Colombia and believe it or not a lot of the teachers in the high schools who were teaching English couldn't actually speak English very well so it was um, you know, a big national effort to, to try and improve the standards there. How did they warm up to your Welsh accent? 
Were they able to understand or did they struggle at first? They struggled at first, but I think any accent would have been, um, you know, just as as difficult for them because, you know, I was put into a class. The the biggest uh, challenge that I faced was the class sizes. Um, So one of my classes had 48 students in. Wow, that's like a lecture. (laughs) Yeah, 48 students. I remember this class well because... It was my most challenging. Um, Thirty-two of them were boys. It was a year nine class, so it was uh, it was very tricky. But yeah, I had them all speaking in Welsh accents by the time I left. <laughs> <laughs> Is it comparable to the UK? Were the kids similar? Teenage boys? Did they act the same as they do in UK schools, or was there a different sort of? Um, perception towards education in Colombia? The teenagers were were very similar in in many ways in terms of their their attitudes to learning and sometimes, you know, especially as you can imagine with that many of them in, in one room, it was it was pretty <laughs> crazy. Um however when when they got down to work they, they did take it quite seriously. There was a, a huge uh, focus on exams and um kind of you know, teaching to the test, I, I noticed a lot of. So, um, yeah, there was a big focus on, you know, how many points am I going to get in this test today? And um, I'd say that was the biggest difference, really, because coming from where I trained as a, a language teacher initially, um, you know, the focus of my training was more on communicative language skills and, you know, a, uh, encouraging the students to communicate with each other in the, the target language whereas in Colombia I noticed that it was mostly kind of grammar test driven and um, yeah kind of a bit more boring. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your next trip where did you stop did you travel within South America or did you go further afield after that? Yeah so that placement that I had was um for six months in um, quite a big city, kind of um, in well, in the very north of Colombia, so it was extremely hot. Um, but then after that, I travelled uh, around other parts of Colombia. Um, a beautiful country. My favourite thing about Colombia is that you could get on a bus and you know you'd get on the bus in the morning, and then when you'd arrive at your destination in the evening, you could be in a completely different landscape. So you'd go from you know, city to desert to mountains to Caribbean. Um, it was, you know, really um, diverse uh, in its landscape and, and people as well. Um, so, yeah, I spent a few months then traveling around the rest of Colombia, uh, then took a flight up to Mexico uh, and then traveled a few places in Central America before I found oh, my favorite place on earth, Costa Rica, which is where I work next. How was that experience different? Was Costa Rica different in terms of the people, the landscape, the language? And what kind of languages do they speak in Colombia and Costa Rica? Spanish is the main language. So, well, when I first arrived in Colombia, I didn't know any Spanish. I'd I'd been practicing a little bit online, (laughs) um, but it wasn't going to cut it really. And, you know, it it was a huge culture shock. Did many people know English there? Were you able to get by? Mm -hmm. No, not in the place where I was. So it was um, it was really challenging at first, um, but you just kind of you're forced to adapt in that situation, and it definitely improved a lot 
uh, faster than I would have otherwise. In Costa Rica, the place where I was living was a much smaller kind of beach town. Um, so I'd kind of gone from the city to um, a yeah, really beautiful little village on the Pacific coast. And it was just beautiful. Just kind of, you know, the, all of the tropical birds and all of the wildlife everywhere you look. I would walk to school, like to the bus stop in the morning and see sloths in the trees and oh, wow. it really was special. You know, my um, the school was, it was kind of undercover, but it, there was no windows. It was kind of all kind of open air. And occasionally, you'd, you know, you'd see the, the students' eyes wander um, and you'd look out and there would be monkeys in the trees. Like just, it was an you know, incredible experience. So it was literally a jungle. Yeah, it was. The school was <laughs> literally in the jungle. <laughs> so we'd have snakes. I remember once I was on duty at break time. Um, and, the, well, I'd been dreading this ever since I, I arrived. I was there for nearly two years. Uh, and this happened once when I was on duty. The, the students were like, Miss, Miss Gemma, there's a snake. So I had to, obviously, Abby and the teacher be the calm voice of reason. But inside, I was just thinking, everybody panic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, lots of snakes and creepy crawlies and Ooh. monkeys and sloths, toucans. And it was yeah, just an incredible place. I think I would have stayed forever if it was not so far away from the valleys. <laughs> How much of a culture shock was that, going from the Welsh Valley to the middle of nowhere, literally, right? With animals and things. And you, we don't get those kind of creepy crawlies in the UK. Maybe if you were in Australia originally, maybe you'd be used to it. Um, but how different was that? And how long did it take you to adapt and get used to that? Yeah, I think my experience in Colombia um, really kind of helped um, because that, that that was such a culture shock. Um, I, I think it kind of prepared me then for for my life in, in Costa Rica. And I stayed there for, as I say, around two years, which I think had I have left Wales and gone straight there, mm. I think I wonder if I would have stuck it out or if I would have been brave enough but I think my time in in Colombia kind of almost prepared me for that and I think it's really weird I think when you're in that situation when you're in the jungle and you expect to see things like snakes and spiders and I, I feel like it's not so much of a, a shock whereas if I'm in my bedroom in Wales and there's a <laughs> daddy long legs or something I'm like ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me um, when I see a spider, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it really um, yeah, prepared me. That sounds like uh, not something that I could get accustomed to very quickly, I don't think. <laughs> no, well, I was, I was lucky because my, my next door neighbour, she was from Spain. I think the whole time we were there, she must have had about three or four snakes go into her kitchen. And so she would run over to my... And, and, I was no help, but she would run over and scream, there's a snake in my kitchen. But I was lucky. The worst that I used to get was toads. The toads used to love my house for some reason, like <laughs> big, fat toads. <laughs> um, but I would pref much prefer the, uh, dealing with the toads than the snakes. 
You must have some amazing stories that you're able to share with kids now about your travels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've got lots of, I like showing them the photos of the the kind of the animals that we used to see in the school, uh, you know, around the school. And uh, I've got some videos on my phone of um, one September when we went back and the school had been closed for um, for a few weeks. So, you know, you, it was just, we'd need a, a whole week there, just the staff just clearing out all of the, you know, the creepy crawlies and the ant infestations. And I like it kind of showing the students those and <laughs> creeping them out. What happened next then? Where where was your next stop from uh, Costa Rica? From Costa Rica I decided to, to move um, closer to home. So I uh, went to Spain, um, which is because, as I said, I think I would have stayed in Costa Rica forever, um, but it was just obviously as a, as a teacher the wages were quite low and the flights were extremely expensive. And, oh, were they? Yeah, and long. How, how long does it take to get to the UK from Costa Rica? You can get direct flights for, uh, I think, around 10 to 12 hours. However, it wow. was... Wow, yeah, that's travel-y. a long time. <laughs> and the travel either side of that as well. So to get from my village up to the airport would take around six hours on a, on a coach. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then... And the direct flights are a lot more expensive, so usually you'd take a flight to to Spain and then to the UK. So all in all, it could take you around two days to to get from from door to door. So you can't Um, really come over for a week in the UK, you'd have to be for a longer stay, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was my thinking behind moving to Spain. I was thinking I could still enjoy the nice weather. and I'd be able to visit home a lot more often. And that was going pretty well until until the pandemic. And so <laughs> that made it travel even from Spain uh, impossible. So all three schools that you worked in, they were all Spanish-speaking countries, basically. Did they have different dialects and did you have to adapt your Spanish to the different places you worked in? Yeah, I did, actually. I think in Costa Rica was where I really... Uh, made some progress with my with my Spanish speaking um, and then when I moved from Costa Rica so there's Latin American Spanish and then um, Spain Spanish um, but there's not you know you can get by if it, it's not like you know it's it's com- a completely different language there are differences um, mm. but you know nobody was gonna come up to me in Spain and and uh, kind of not understand what I was saying. The thing was, when I moved to um, Spain, I was on the island of Mallorca. So I moved to a kind of small village there where they have their own language, Mallorquin. Uh, oh, so wow. that was different again, yeah. It was like somebody, I, I kept thinking it would be like somebody who's learning English moved to Wales, but everyone was speaking Welsh. I was a bit <laughs> back to square one. <laughs> What I found really fascinating is when we started offering Spanish at UK Virtual School, I was doing some research and I realised Spanish is spoken so widely across the world. And you don't realise because you think it's English and Mandarin and French, um, but actually Spanish is quite high up on the list. Yeah, exactly. 
I've always been really passionate about languages. As Brits, I think、mm. we're often quite、um, complacent, and we think that we can go anywhere and speak English. And、um, but I think it's really important. I think it opens a lot of doors、um, if you can speak other languages. And I just think it's really nice to be able to go to a country and show them that you know, in return for their hospitality, you you're making a bit of an effort with. With trying to learn the language and being able to communicate with them in their tongue, and then you joined at UK Virtual School. What I really love about this school is the fact that we you know we can we can learn from anywhere, and、um, that's my plan is to get back on the road and and travel again.、Um, hopefully next year,、um, and I'll still be able to work with the lovely students that I work with at the moment. So we're going to have two teachers that live in a van because Hannah's already doing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I need to sit down and have a chat with Hannah. I think. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of、uh, families listening to this will also be inspired and probably go, "Oh, we could probably get into a van and travel, or or get onto an aeroplane." And we can get a UK VS convoy going. That'd be amazing, right? <laughs> Why not? What, what's the plan? Where do you want to first go? Do you have a map drawn up? Do you have a plan of where you want to travel to? Not really, but I think it all depends on the time of year when we leave. So I'm thinking,、um, if it's towards the end of next year, then we'll probably head over to、um, France and drive down because I like the hot weather. So we'll go down to to Spain.、Uh, Possibly over to Morocco.、Um, yeah, I've never been to Africa. Yeah, that's definitely、um, on the list. But I like to kind of go with the flow and and see where the wind takes me, rather than have a solid plan. You might time it nicely with our trip to Morocco, the UK virtual school residential trip, which we're planning to do next academic year,、uh, COVID permitting. Um, so you could time it with that, and then stay over and, and enjoy the、oh, weather.、Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We could use the van to make some tea. <laughs>、um, yeah, definitely. That's the. I, I remember you saying about the Morocco trip. Actually, and that's what I was thinking. Yeah, if that would coincide. Yeah, and then Hassan is already in Morocco, so he'll be able to、um, host us and show us around and show us where the best places are. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely hope that we're able to do that next year. Yeah, I think it would be really cool, and it'd be nice for all for the entire UK virtual school community to meet up because we haven't met up yet. I know it's crazy, isn't it? There's a lot of perks to online learning.、Um, however, that's the the major downfall for me is that the fact that we don't see each other in person that often.、Um, mm. So that would be really nice, even if we could just do that, you know, once a year or yeah. That's the plan, and then maybe we can make it more consistent and have every few months where we can travel around the world. That'd be really yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really good. <laughs> How do you find online teaching as opposed to a classroom of fifty kids that you were doing in Colombia? There's pros and cons to to you know online learning and learning in the classroom.、Um, I feel like online learning. When I switched to online learning in the pandemic, when I was working for my school in Spain, I think when you experience something completely new, at first you you think, no, this isn't for me.、Um, but I I was quickly、um, turned around with that because for me in English, 
I found my students' reading skills to, to improve a lot faster with the online learning. This was with my, you know, my students that I was teaching in, in Spain. Um, in the classroom, they were dis distracted a lot. That was quite a large class as well of around 30 students. Um, and they were a very loud class. <laughs> Lovely, but very loud. 13 um, or 30? 30. 30, yeah, that's a 30. big class, yeah. Yeah, um, and it was quite a small classroom as well. So no matter how focused you could, you know, um, have the class, it, it was always some kind of distraction. We were all kind of in a very small space together. When we switched to the online learning and I was working with them in small groups, even just for short bursts of time, 20 to 30 minutes a day, um, I just found their reading was improving much much faster and i think that's to do with the you know the, the focus that they had that they didn't have in the classroom because their friends would be sitting next to them nudging their hands <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the things and yeah just the the flexibility of it being able to log on from anywhere and yeah always have your have, have the means to to access the classes and, and you're good to go and what was the big difference between teaching the Spanish school online and how you find how we operate at UK Virtual School? I think with my Spanish school, I was I was teaching all different because I was a year six teacher, so I was teaching many different subjects. Um, so it felt a little bit um, I kind of intense trying to think of all of the subjects at the same time and and plan online lessons and the fact and you know because the kids would see me all of the time for all of their subjects it was trying to keep it fresh whereas mm. with UK virtual school I like the fact that even in primary you've got subjects kind of specialists for um for each group so I like the fact that even at primary you know they still have a different teacher for maths and English and so I think it keeps it kind of fresh and uh, everyone's got their own kind of teaching style, which must benefit the, the students, I think. And how do you feel about the small class sizes? Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a relief, definitely. A big difference, right? <laughs> a huge difference. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it just makes, it gives us as teachers uh, a lot more time to focus on the individual needs and um yeah, I think that it's it, it didn't really didn't take long for for us to build a good rapport, mm. um, which was you know which is I think is it really important at the start for the so that the students feel relaxed and comfortable to ask questions and and really be involved in their own their own progress. And the progress is a lot quicker as well when the classes are very small, um, and, and you see that a lot more as well when you know the kids really well. Yeah, definitely. You can pick up on on small things that you you know you would have no chance of picking up on in a in a in a big group of even you know twenty students is is a lot for for one teacher to keep track of um, all of the individual targets. So you know, it, it definitely definitely helps. I think it's been great hearing um, your journey um, and how how things are different in different parts of the world and how you become so accustomed and I guess it's about when you're thrown into a situation you adapt and and kids do that really well <laughs> but as adults we can kind of be like oh I don't know whether I can adapt living in a jungle <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, 
but yeah, I think it'll be great once you can get back onto the road again and you can travel and you can do what you do, what you love doing. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your ideas and and your journey and your um, and your stories as well. I think it's been fascinating hearing You're that. Very welcome. Thank you for listening in to the UK Virtual School podcast. We hope you took lots of value from this podcast. And if you did, please remember to like and subscribe and to share what you've learned with other families. Now, if you want to find out more about UK Virtual School, go to our website, ukvirtualschool.co.uk. Or you can join our page or Facebook group, UK Virtual School. We hope that your home education journey is an exciting one. And if you're right at the beginning of starting out, do reach out to us and ask us for support. If you're considering joining us, why not book a Zoom meeting with me so we can explore and discuss options for your family. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Virtual School podcast and I'll see you next time.